Welcome to Sportonomics presented by Uncle Charlie. I'm Tyler Webb. And I'm Jake Kranz. And today, Jake, a bit of a desperation pod. The desperation pod. For, to this, set, is, this is it. To set the scene for people, Jake and I are sitting five feet from each other. The first live pod. In a hotel or it's live in the sense that we're in the same room, I suppose. Correct. There's no audience here. Yes. The first in-person real, real pod. In a hotel room in no, Milwaukee. I am liking it already. Franklin, Wisconsin, actually. I say I'm enjoying this. And in today's episode, Jake, we're going to recap our trip to Milwaukee for a professional baseball all-star game and home run derby that we were here covering for Uncle Charlie. And we're also going to discuss whether or not all-star games everywhere are dead. Now, I want to get into this because the reviews are in for this year's MLB Midsummer Classic, and it's not good. This year's MLB All-Star Game peaked at just 7.57 million viewers, which is down 7% from last year's already record low ratings. And at its peak in 2014, the game averaged over 11.3 million viewers. But this year marks the fifth time in the past seven years that the All-Star Game has set a record low in viewership. But it still remains atop all the other All-Star Games in the four major sports leagues, with the NFL's Pro Bowl games coming in at second at a peak of just 6.28 million viewers in January of this year. And the NBA's All-Star Game mustering just 4.59 million viewers in February of this year. But... The good news ends there for MLB because their home run derby also averaged just 6.11 million viewers, which is its lowest total since 2018, and a drop of 11% from last year. Now, for context, the most watched MLB game last year, not counting the World Series, was a Game 2 ALCS game between the Yankees and the Astros, which averaged 5.89 million viewers. But still, Jake, I think it begs the question, are All-Star games dead? This is where I come in? That's where you jump in. All right, this is where I jump in. So... I don't think so. I think I, the the three things that I'm thinking about on this are the the first thing is the competition for attention that they have now. Um, when when baseball first got started, it was one of the only sports, um, mm. and if not like the only professional sport that had any relevance within North America, and now. Uh, over the last hundred years or so, some new sports have come into the the media landscape, and many of the emerging sports now are starting media first. So if you look at the PLL, you look at sure. MLS, like they are so focused on having their broadcast, production, social, everything like publicly facing that isn't at the actual event dialed in. Whereas historically, a sports property would start by making sure that the, the in-stadium ad-event experience was the best before they even thought about having it be publicized elsewhere. Um, and so I think that they're having to fight against the competition of other sports just coming into, into play. Um, and as yeah. more sports come in, they'll slowly pull more viewers away from um, the biggest sports in North America, which baseball is still one of those sports. Football is still absolutely one of those four sports. Basketball and hockey are also those sports. Um, the other thing is there's there's obviously a shift from from TV to streaming that's happening. I don't know if the numbers that, that you shared included all the, the streaming viewership, did it? I don't know. I Those are Nielsen numbers. I'm assuming they, they would take those into account. Yeah, they yeah. would. Yeah, I would. They would. So. Yeah, I, I would assume so too. Um, I also think that there's probably a little bit of confusion across all of the sports industry right now uh, around like how to actually tabulate 
data across all the different platforms that people are consuming it on. That's a good point. And then also like, it's a lot easier to bootleg a stream now um, than it would be through, through, through TV because everybody has their own personal computer or phone that they're able to stream it through. And so I think there's a lot of lost data there that hasn't really been sorted yet. And, sure. and while like historically there were, there was like one or two channels and I'm saying channels in the sense of like television or radio that you would be able to consume something. Now there are 15 for a single event like the all-star game and they might they might constrict it to um a certain distribution partner but that can get bootlegged and placed placed elsewhere because that distribution partner is going to put it through their app and someone's going to restream it to to some other location and so there's there's something that's lost there and the last thing that i'll say on it is i think that major league baseball is and should be chilling like even though their their numbers are down I would much rather be going from 100 viewers down to 95 as opposed to being in, in the wheelhouse of what Major League Soccer is dealing with and, and having five viewers and trying to trying to get to nine or ten viewers. Right. Like they're in a much better position. And if they go from if they go from that, that level up, maybe there's eight million people that watched it in the past. Now there's only 7.7 or 7.5 million. Yeah, that's that's a lot of people that are no longer watching the All-Star game the same time that's still a lot of people that are watching the all-star game yeah and that, that's 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 a a much better problem to have i think yeah but it's it's still a problem and it is. you understand what these leagues are up against and they're it's a highly competitive industry and i, I think you break, bring up a lot of good points so we'll kind of walk through them piece by piece i think one thing i want to say right off the bat is that it's interesting how a lot of these i'll call them mediums you call them channels different ways to consume sure. content are probably cannibalizing each other when yeah. you think about especially I think the home run derby is a really interesting example of this. I don't think you have to sit down and watch the full hour long telecast of the home run derby to get it and to enjoy it. You can do what I did, which was I looked at MLB's Instagram. I saw a couple clips of the people winning the home run derby. Sure. You know what I mean? And it's and like, that's not, that's not counted into the, it's not, the, exactly. the total, the total streaming viewers, even though like I would constitute that as a viewer, maybe, maybe somebody like Nielsen might, quantify a viewer as somebody that watched for at least 50 seconds you might have watched for 50 seconds but it was on instagram Maybe. yeah and it's like i'm sure over that you know weekend long of the all-star game i'm sure the mlb registered close to 50 million impressions for on sure. social oh at least and those are not as yeah. you say things that are counted but today increasingly they can monetize those impressions they can sell sponsorship they can you know value their organizations against those impressions and so there does seem to be a bit of a lapse where those impressions aren't accounted for, but are super valuable. Um, another thing that I want to talk about, and I think this leads us to a broader conversation, is how it seems like the ratings, as they go down, are inversely correlated to ticket sales going up. So one number that I pulled here was that the average price for an All-Star Game ticket was $797, which was 67% more expensive than last year. And the people, the dissenters in the comments might say, oh, it's in Seattle, it's an expensive market. The All-Star Game last year was in L.A., so it, it, yeah. you know that's a pretty apples apples comparison. Yeah. Um, and the cheapest ticket, the getting price this year. I'd take LA over, over Seattle, but anyways, go ahead. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, yeah. if it's more expensive than LA, yeah. that's presumed to be the most expensive market. The getting price this year was three hundred and sixty nine dollars, yeah. and tickets were going for as high as twenty nine hundred. So it's an interesting trend. Like when you look at the face, if you say viewership is down for the home run derby and the All Star game, you might think people are not interested in that. Mm -hmm. But somehow the demand for tickets has gone up. 
67 percent well not necessarily so so what i'm thinking of that is one that is one option so the the demand for tickets could have gone up significantly well i have a hypothesis here but i want to hear yours which which drove the price up significantly you could also look at it in that in the way that they are starting to to lose money in other areas so they need to jack up the price of the the in-stadium ticket to subsidize the losses that they're having elsewhere if you look at like let's look at the newspaper industry as an example sure as fewer people were were reading the paper and they started to lose more and more subscribers they started to increase the price of their advertising in order to subsidize the loss of the subscription revenue that they had I understand which, which was like like very counterintuitive and doesn't make any sense at all and didn't and, end up working and well clearly didn't end up yeah. working obviously but but um well, yeah, yeah so so i want to hear your, your hypothesis though here's why i think that's wrong is because Could be. I, i'm just throwing that out there as an alternative i get it and, and my pushback on that would be we've only seen media rights deals increase yeah we, we we have never seen a report where the mlb got less money in their most recent tv rights deals than they yeah. did you know what i mean so i think it's probably more that people consumers fans are valuing the in-person experience more and when they get home their attention as you described earlier is so spread out across so many different sports so many different ways to consume media they're now competing against tiktok content they're competing against watching videos on instagram they're you know they're competing against other sports against netflix against disney plus and so if they're not in the stadium i don't think they find it a compelling enough experience to watch it on tv which is another point i want to bring up and i know this is something that you and i were talking about here the the home run Derby viewing experience on TV, I think is completely optimized for somebody that's sitting in a stadium and watching it. You know, you and I were just at a home run derby here yeah, in Milwaukee. Yeah, it was awesome. The format's the same as it is in the MLB, where it's yeah. timed rounds. You have two minutes to hit as many home runs as you want. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the stadium, you're like, holy shit, this is incredible. This guy's just like mashing yes. 15 home runs yes. in two minutes. Yes. But when you watch the streaming product or the, the MLB TV product, you have to have this weird double angle setup where on the left side of the screen you're watching the guy hit on the right side of the screen you're watching the ball land and you're jumping back and forth and it's really sort of like confusing and it seems to me that that's just the exclamation point on the fact that these events are slowly getting optimized for the person that's showing up i think you can even see this like the charity softball games and the all these like celebrities they bring out it's much more of a hey this is like a fan fest style experience where you have to be here to understand it and if they pull a cool social clip from it, that's great. If they can, you know, drive up engagement online from it, that's fantastic. But it's not optimized for the at-home TV viewer. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying it's, it's interesting as ratings go down, ticket prices go up. Those seem to be at odds with each other, but maybe that's becoming more intentional. Yeah, maybe. Do we do we give the context on why this is the, the desperation pod? So <laughs> we, can, we can back up and give the context. Go ahead. So... We had an emergency pod one time when when the the Live Golf and PGA merger happened, and so we were just driving back from the stadium. It's currently ten thirteen p.m. on a Tuesday. Um, I'm normally not up this late, and we need to record the podcast. We normally do it on Tuesdays, and so we're recording this on a Tuesday. My feet are kicked up on a pullout couch right now, and Ty is sitting in a chair, and we're in a hotel room in Franklin, Wisconsin just outside of Ballpark Commons, um, recording a podcast because we need to record the podcast in order to get it out this week. Hence the name, The Desperation Pod. Not The Emergency Pod, The Desperation Pod. And we did kick around recording in the car tomorrow. I don't know if AI technology is good enough to drown out the sound of Highway 94. The, The reason we weren't able to record it during the day is because we've 
been working here. We own a marketing agency, which isn't something we talk directly a lot about on this podcast, but sure. uh, Jake and I own a, a social media marketing agency and one of our clients, our longest standing client, the reason that you and I started working together Dogs. is a MLB partner baseball league called the American Association. And they had their all-star festivities and their home run derby here in Franklin, Wisconsin, the home of the Milwaukee Milkmen this Monday and Tuesday. And it was really awesome. And, you know, it's the reason I love pulling in some of this MLB conversation into um, this, you know, this experience that we've had because we have a lot of personal experience now after this week of like understanding what a, what a all-star game is like, what a home run derby is like. And I, and I think we have some firsthand experience of like what it's being optimized for because we exist on the content side of this entire operation. You know, we, we have no say over the production that goes in during the stadium. All our job is, is to distribute what's happening in the stadium on social. And I'll be honest, I think one of my larger frustrations from this week was that it felt hard to adequately cover the home run derby in a way that felt compelling. You know, I, I love when our content can build through lines and drive narrative over a couple hours. Um, we work with a bare knuckle boxing league. And that's one of my favorite parts about working with them is that there's a clear problem pinnacle resolution you know yeah, there's like someone gets knocked the fuck out yeah there's there's <laughs> a beef they fight and somebody wins right yeah and when you have it over when we have a home run derby that lasts an hour maybe from start to finish and these guys are ripping through rounds it's like you can't possibly communicate all that stuff fast enough yeah i mean you can only mash potatoes so long and it, at the end of the day it's still potatoes right like they're just hitting so many home runs and and like this this to, to go off on a tangent and we can go down the rabbit hole of, of looking under the hood of the uh, the American Association's All-Star Game and All-Star Break and Home Run Derby. Um, to go off a tangent for the the at-home viewing experience of the MLB Home Run Derby, and I think um, by way of an extension, the American Association Home Run Derby, I think this is one area that augmented reality might actually benefit the the mm. at-home viewing experience because it is really hard to watch it because of the amount of things that are happening at the same time. Normally within sports, there is one thing to track. Right. The ball or the puck or whoever the person is that's on a horse or a bull or whatever the thing is yeah. that they're doing. There's either, there's one, maybe two characters in the play, but the two characters in the play are always acting together if there are two things that are in it. Mm -hmm. With the home run derby, there's, there can be like three things happening all at the same time because they're hitting three different balls because there's a time limit. They all have to maintain the same frame on the screen. Yes, yes. And so they have probably anywhere from four to eight different cameras. And what they're telling the, the camera operator is, do not come back to home plate. You track that ball until it lands, and then you track it for three seconds after it lands. And then the next camera will track the next ball and we'll switch over to that next camera when we're ready to switch over to that next camera after yours is done. And so they have to go side by side. But if you had an AR setup where you're able to essentially place somebody within the stadium, you would need to do that because they could track the ball by themselves. As if they're sitting right behind they're the, sitting right behind there. Which is where we were sitting and that's an awesome view. I thought so too. Yeah. I thought so too. And I think that's a superior view to having a side-by-side -side screen, which is like, you're limited on the, the current medium that we have, which is a flat screen, because you have to keep track of both things at the same time. You really want to see the batter, but you also want to see where the balls are going. And the perspectives so you, are so weird too, because yeah. one, the ball's moving away from you, and the right. other perspective, the ball's kind of like moving perpendicular to you. Right. 
Is that, is that, it's not the fault of Major League Baseball or the American no, Association or, or, or anybody, really. It's just it's just the, the medium that we have access to. So I think, for, as an extension from a previous conversation from I don't know how many pods ago, I'm here to make this argument that this would be an opportunity to enhance the experience at home using augmented reality. Yeah, I mean, as many listeners w- would recall, I, I'm, I was pretty skeptical about the application of augmented reality. I think this is one of the better applications I've heard. But I also think it simultaneously. That's what I'm here for. I think it simultaneously proves one of my points about augmented reality in sports, which is I don't know who's asking for more things to be on the screen. Like I, I feel like in all these Apple commercials where you see augmented reality in sports, it's like the sports and then the betting lines are on one side and the stats are on another side, and you have like four views all in your periphery. And if this, you know, the complaints about the home run derby at the MLB level are any indication, it's like we we want a pretty simple viewing experience like that's right even if you think about watching red zone on sundays from the nfl nobody really wants you to sit on the octo box where there's eight football games going on at once like yeah it's kind of a cool novelty where you can say like oh i'm watching eight football games at once but you really want to just tap in when the yeah and you know that's why red zone's great is because it allows you to focus in on only the action when it's happening and again i think augmented reality would be great at helping provide the in-stadium experience, but not layering on extra information. Yeah, this, this actually does the opposite, right? Right, like, it's just away the information yeah. and just put somebody in, in, in person. Yeah. Um, I, I want to recenter back on this question of the idea of all-star games and like if they're dead. It's a little hyperbolic, obviously on purpose, but we have seen the NFL recently strip away their Pro Bowl and move yeah. to like a, what they call the Pro Bowl game style format, where it's like yeah. a, a variety show of games. There's been a lot of calls for the NBA to make some changes. Obviously, they did in the scoring um, at the end of the game, but you still have games that are like nearing the 200s per side. Um, the, the MLB All-Star Game and like the American Associate, Association All-Star Game are two of the few professional All-Star Games that remain really competitive. We were here tonight. Yeah, and these, competitive. these guys are trying. It's obviously much different. If you tried really hard in a football game, you could break your leg. If you tried really hard in a baseball game, like maybe you have a little arm soreness the next day. Yeah. Um, so I understand we're not comparing apples to apples, but what do you think this trend of like all-star games sort of fading away indicates, or do you think we're not getting to that point quite yet? Yeah, I, I don't really, uh, I'm, I'm struggling to wrap my head around it too, right? Like, I think, I think the sports that are starting to fade away in are the ones that have the highest risk of risk of injury. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly gone in the NFL never coming back like and it will never come back it's just it's just the the way it is um it's starting to go away within hockey I think they have a really cool skills competition but their all-star game is is not really a it's not it's not a super competitive thing anymore hasn't been competitive since John Scott was in it (laughs) um absolute beauty uh the 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 godfather of the beauty league actually sure um but like I think I think all star games are here, still here, especially in baseball. Like yeah, like look at the stakeholders that are involved and, and who it's important for in baseball though. Like the fans, absolutely. Like it's really important for the fans, for the players. This is a huge moment for them um, in, in both Major League Baseball and then especially in the American Association because this is just a, a really great thing that they can place on their resume. Well, that, we, I was walking. I don't know if you were noticing as we walked around tonight. I saw New York Mets hats. I saw Arizona Diamondbacks hats. Like this is a great. It's a practically a showcase for these guys. It, it is a showcase. Right. There, there were several scouts from several different MLB organizations. Had here. half a dozen or more. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so that's really important. 
for the um the 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 staff on the teams and in the front office of the league it's a nice break um it, like mm-hmm. it, it it requires a lot of work going into it but it's it's almost like a mid-season celebration if you will um when we got here we got a big hug which was really, really confusing <laughs> from the person that we got it from but um he was just excited that it was the all-star break and so we're we're all for it um so that's that that's another thing to to keep in mind um, and then for like local fans, I mean, ba- baseball is a game of, or it's, it's a business of, I don't want to call it attrition, but it is just, it's a long and drawn out season. Right. And it's a great way to break up the season, having an all-star game. And I think to, to continue the conversation that we had about the NBA and them having, uh, a middle of the season tournament, like it, it's still in a lot of ways acts as a nice break in the season to split it in half and then give people something to focus on uh, when sometimes you get into the legitimate dog days of summer yeah and there's just the monotony of oh it's just another game um, no this is a it's a nice break and then everybody gets a reset and they get to, to think about how they can change up what they're doing and the fans get to get to experience it and they get to think oh man it's really awesome that this guy's an all-star and now i can follow him for the rest of the season that's really interesting nuanced answer i don't i think we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the fact that even in mlb which is probably the most competitive all-star game left they even have stripped away any semblance of real meaning in the game in which yeah. it used to dictate home field advantage in the world series and now yeah. it no longer does so there's a clear trend that these games are going away. mattering less no not even necessarily going away, but they're mattering less and meaning yeah. a little less. Yeah. What do you think these leagues should focus on then as they hone in on what they want this midsummer break to look like? Because I agree they're not going to go away for all the reasons you just laid out. I think it's a good thing that they exist. But what should be the focus of these sort of festivities? In my opinion, it seems like this is a really great time for the league to have a lot of control over what they want an instant, or like an in-person activation to be. Obviously, there's a lot of personality and character that can be built into what it's like to go to a Dodgers game versus a Twins game. You know, like those can be different experiences, but I think the league could set in any sport a really strong agenda of what they want the look and feel and personality of their league to be at these sort of events. That's a good point. And they also have the leverage then to pull in some really high value musical acts or, you know, in-person activations with brands that might not otherwise be accessible to... Uh, teams to engage their fans further. So to me, it seems like a great way to drill down into the most engaged of your fan base. Sure. I don't know if it's necessarily a awareness building thing. No. Maybe it is from like a tone setting perspective, but I think it's a great like pat ourselves on the back. Let's engage with our most diehard 5% fans. Yeah. And it's a great, and it, I think you read, it's a great internal tool um, for, uh, for the diehard fans, first of all, which you absolutely need to serve them, mm-hmm. um, but it's also awesome for the individual teams um, and helping them get a, a look at how the league thinks about coverage. Yeah, and like even with the American Association, we 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 do meetings. I don't know every few weeks, maybe once a month with with all of the. Um, media teams and broadcasters and other people and there's there there's always an agenda and there's always things that we're trying to communicate with them and it's 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 different from month to month it's different from year to year but 
overall, there's probably like five different buckets that we're trying to focus on. Um, and we're trying to communicate those with people. And sometimes it's just a little bit easier if you show them and, and instead of telling them. And so like with us this week, this, not this weekend, but this, this, this week, like we were able to come in and like do coverage on an event that was, I think, really solid. And, and hopefully mm-hmm. uh, is a good example for some of, some of the teams within the American Association. Same thing with Major League Baseball. Like they do so many activations within a like, four day window um that that is is truly remarkable all the things that they do um granted they they, like oftentimes they'll have they'll invest a ton of money into it right um and they'll have more resources than a team but a team will have more time than than the league might have and they have a full season to do all the activations that the league is trying to do within four days and so it's a really great way for the league to step in as a role model for what they want to see out of their teams if they're able to do it well. Yeah, I, and I'll, I think going forward, we should just speak at, from our experience of working with the American Association, but I think these same exact points can be extrapolated Absolutely. up to the MLB. For me, at a league perspective, from a league perspective, I think it's a great time for, as you described, the league to sort of shut down and all look at one thing. Yeah. You talk about attrition. This is a total marathon that these teams go through. And I think yeah. a lot of them feel like they're just playing absolute catch up the entire year. Yeah. You, you never feel like you're ahead during a baseball season, yeah. during any sporting season. And so when you get a time to press pause and just to look around at what's happening, I think that's a really powerful thing. And it allows you to feel one, like you're getting caught up, but two, like you can start to take inventory. I mean, like I, I feel like this, just thinking outside of sports for a while, like just working as an agency owner. If, if you constantly feel like you're playing catch up and you're running and you're just trying to create stuff and running with your head cut off, you have no time to look up and like make slight adjustments or focus on ways or learnings to get better because all you're focused on is I just got to get this thing done. And this is a great time, I think, for a lot of teams and staff around the league to say, okay, I don't have to get something done right now. This is a time for professional development, essentially, sure. to look at, you know, and hopefully at a league level, we set a good, a good example of, sure. you know, what, what direction they should be heading. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they all have a day off tomorrow. So they all have a day. Go so hopefully they're, they're looking back over all the, yeah. all the, yeah. 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 From, from a, I'd love to dig into this a little bit more and, and this will be super in the weeds. So hopefully people enjoy it the, from like a, a messaging perspective, understanding that we run social for the American association. How have you, how did you think about heading into the all-star game or the home run derby? Like there is a different tone that you kind of have to, to lead with. Uh, and it's not always a great indication of what the rest of the season is going to be like. I think from a stylistic perspective or from a creative perspective, it's a good example, but we're obviously not going to be talking about the all-star game for the rest of the season. So like, how are you thinking about it? And I can answer first, if, if you don't have an answer right away, like messaging the all-star game, how do we contextualize it in, in the space of the entire summer? Yeah, I don't think I understand your question. So if you want to give your answer first, I think I can can go from there. I think I think I know what you're saying, but so I think a really easy example is the couple weeks leading up as we announced the All Star teams, sure. All Star voting. You start to refer to people as All-Star. rest division All Star. Yeah, Chris Herman just yeah. hit a home run in this regular season game to kind of build stakes and and build, you know, some sort of resume around this person. Um, I also think it's cool is you like start to pull different storylines as you head into. Um, the all-star game so the guy that won the home run derby last night was hitting the home runs in the stadium of his his former team you know that's really cool there was a guy that was in the home run derby last night who almost missed his flight had his bags lost on an airline and so that's sort of a cool like undertone of a story that happens throughout the season 
Um, you could even talk about things like, you know, fun matchups that happen between two players that maybe don't otherwise get to face each other, former teammates coming back and being on the same team. Like there's all these different fun storylines that you get to pull out. Um, but, you know, also from a broader perspective, I think it's a really good checkpoint as to, okay, here's a, here are the teams that are sort of in contention. Like we're halfway through the season now. So you kind of have an understanding of teams that are in contention, players that are in contention to set records, to be full, you know, end of season award winners. Like you assume that if someone's going to win the player of the year, they're going to be an all-star. So you kind of almost checkpoint and say, okay, everybody that wasn't at this game, not that you discredit them or that you toss them aside, but you say like, maybe we focus a little bit more on these 24 guys. Yeah. Not maybe definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it, it it's like a it, consolidation almost it, that it, just happened. It, it is a consolidation that happens. And, and, um, what, what, we'll see and what you'll likely see within major league baseball is after this um a lot of people will start to recognize all of the all-stars now mm-hmm. because they there was there was a a window there where that was really all all that was focused on and that's that's still a long list of people there are probably 30 or so maybe 40 all-stars that were that were on the roster this year across all the different teams in the american association sure um but that that's enough to get the rest of the season, and there naturally there'll be more storylines that'll pop up, and so some some people will pull their way out of the weeds and 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 find themselves in a storyline, and there's some people that weren't able to participate in the All Star game for for one reason or another, and so they'll probably pop back up as well. But it's definitely a consolidation of talent. The camera, the camera, this is good. The the camera. Um, this is a desperation pod. Yeah, we're recording audio straight into a camera that just has its camera lens on because we yeah. have no interest in having anybody see what we look like right now at this, you know, ten thirty at night. I do have socks on and pants on, so and a shirt on, so that's good. Or you can imagine him without it. I, I, I completely agree. It or you cannot. I think as we move forward here, it, we like we move on with the season. Like this is a great say. This is the halfway point. I love it that is in the middle of the season. Yeah. We can now look forward and start building. It, it's almost like a, we were building towards this. Now we're building towards playoffs. the playoffs. Yeah. And, and you it, assume that everybody that was in this is going to be a part of our build towards the playoffs. That's, that's exactly right. And there, there's somebody from every single team. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this, this makes it a little bit easier to cover the back half of the season because you, you now have something to latch on to. Right. You can mention that they were an all-star, first of all. Um, and then you can point to, okay, now they're supporting their team and making this push towards the playoffs. And in a league where, where uh, games and winning actually matters, um, that's, that's a big deal. Uh, and so having, having talented players and holding on to them throughout the rest of the season to help your team win is, is a big deal in the American Association. And you can assume a base level of context that fans now have. Because whereas before, yeah. and, and, we, and we have invested, invested a lot of human capital and money into making sure that we do an equitable job at covering all the teams in the league. Every single night, there's a maximum of six games that are happening across the league, and yeah. we're covering all of them, and yeah. whichever ones are the best, regardless of record or whatever, are the ones that are getting coverage. But now you can assume that you know there's this event that you, you know, everybody that's a fan of the league just watched, that the league covered. It wasn't siloed down into one team or another. Like if you're, you know, if, if you're a fan of one team in the MLB, it's likely you're not following the coverage of another team in the MLB from their team page a lot of your context of other teams in the league are coming from the league level. And this gave us a great level set to say, here's where everybody's at. Now going forward, you can just assume a base level of context that some 
fans now might have about star players on each team. And that's something that you can also lean into. Right. Yeah. And typically you can get a pulse on like how quality a team is based off of how many all-stars they have. Mm -hmm. It's not, not always the case, but like if a team has, has eight guys that are all-stars, it's probably a leading indicator that they're a pretty solid team this year. Right. Yeah. It's just like all these different like social cues and markers that, that we now get. Yeah. I, I know you want to talk a little bit about this facility that we're in. So we'll just keep driving down into our own Let's personal experience Let's here. Let's wander. To give cool. some context, yeah. we are, Jake referenced it as in Ballpark Commons. I would describe it as... A that, de- that's, that's the actual name of it. Yeah, I would describe it as a development yeah. that was popped up in the last five years. Roughly. Roughly five years. And it's a, uh, it's a really cool area that includes uh, a four like baseball fields that are meant for like, you know, youth tournaments. Oh, more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than four fields. Yeah. There's, there's youth fields and there's adult fields okay. and there's the stadium. There's half a dozen baseball fields, including yeah. the Milwaukee Milkmen stadium, which yeah. is a professional level stadium. Yeah. There's a ski hill. Yeah. There is a top golf. It's called Lux golf. Yeah. But it is for, 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 for simplicity, we can, if you drove up on it, you say that's a top golf. And then when you got in, you'd sell the branding and you'd say, Oh, it's something called a Lux golf. Yeah. And then there's a collection of other buildings that are doctor's offices, coffee shops, a bike shop I saw, a YMCA, you know, office buildings on top, there's apartments. So it's like this cool community that get that got cropped up. Yeah. I'll put on my urban planning hat for a second. I think it's cool. Yeah. I would love for it to be close to the end of story. I'd love you know, I said urban, urban planning hat on back. <laughs> I'd obviously love for it to be closer to a city center. You know, like my deal is like yeah, we all live in walkable communities where you don't have to have a car to be so dependent on traveling. But obviously what they're trying to do located, you know, ten miles out of Milwaukee is create some community like that where there's apartments and you can walk to a coffee shop and you can walk to the gym and you can walk to a baseball game. And so it's like if you were to start those walkable communities from scratch, that that's kind of what this would look like. But uh, it's a really cool facility, and it's all owned by one person. So everything that we just listed, all the baseball fields, the ski hill, the drive-in movie theater that's in the back half of the baseball stadium that's right next to the Lux Golf, these are all owned by by one yeah. company, yeah. which is kind of a unique concept. Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's one other thing. They have like a, they have a big training facility too, which is sure. like for the people that are in the Twin Cities, we have uh, the, the Vikings have their training facility. It's it's not quite as big as that, but but it's it's a really big it's a really big building that has a ton of it's big turf field, right? And you can do training that. And so, um, put my urban planning hat on. I also think it's cool. I'm gonna ter- take my urban planning hat off, and I still think it's cool. And and like the reason I want I want to talk about it is that we were we were in the car last night just talking about it you're like man it's really cool that they put that lux golf bay thing there like what what a big driver to get people to come out here and having like a a a keystone thing like that is is great for an area like that and then i go yeah but like how awesome is it that they have a baseball stadium in there that that drives a ton of people in there oh and wait they also have a ski hill in the middle of all this, it drives people in there. Oh, and they also have a movie theater and, the and a bunch of restaurants and all these different things yeah. that are, are designed to to draw people into the place. And I just thought, man, that that's really interesting. That's that's a that's a really cool concept. Um, and it, it the the really cool thing about what they have is like they put so much thought into the way that it all looks and that it all it's all tied together. And so if you, if you're there, you know that everything that you touch and see. It's going to have the same look and feel. And I think that that's, that's a really novel approach that I don't think a lot of other places have taken. 
Yeah, I, I think generally from an aesthetic perspective, I think I prefer when it's kind of like almost looks more cobbled together. Like everything looks a little less corporatized to the extent you're like, oh, it could be like a little mom and pop shop that's just like cropped sure. up there and has been there for a while. To each their own. But I also understand that we're, you know, this thing was just built and I'm not going to, you know, shit on something that was just built because I don't like the way it looks. Oh, um, I like the way it looks. I think the concept of it's fantastic. And I think what we're describing is just really good elements of urban planning. Like you can come and show up and you can, you know, you park your car, but then yeah. you can walk from a coffee shop to to the gym, to a, you know, to a restaurant or to the baseball game. Like you can do all these things in a really consolidated area. And I think that's, um, that's super unique. And like from a, I'm trying to think of this from like an investment standpoint. So understanding that one company has basically invested to build all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to think what parts of that we, that we just described are like linchpins for the other part. So you, you talk about how it was like, oh, it's cool that they have a Lux Golf Bay. Like I assume they're, that to be the main all, attraction. They're all linchpins for each other. Okay. So can you describe that? Like let's maybe use an analogy or something like it, it's, it's not like a house of cards, honestly, obviously, but no. is, is there some element of this do you think is Spider most web. important? I think it's a spider web. Okay. I think it's a spider web. So, so, so no, I do not. Um, I think, I think that there are certain components, certain components to it that bring people into it. More important. Like the, co you know, the coffee shop isn't the main driver. No, the coffee shop is not the main driver, but it, it's what holds people there. Sure. And so it's, it's another reason for somebody to come. And so, so it's, it's not something that you think about as like, oh, is there a coffee shop there? Maybe it's something that I would think about. But I think about weird things sometimes. Well, but it's almost like you don't think about it until it's not there. So the fact that right. there you're like, oh, this, that's nice. Like I could go there. But it, yeah. that building was empty and you'd be like, oh, I wish there was some place to just go sit and to get some work done. That's right. You know? That's right. That's right. And so, yeah, I think I would describe it to like a, a, a spider web almost. And that's for lack of a better analogy. Maybe it is. Maybe it's going to be a good analogy. I don't know until I go down this this little rabbit hole that I'm about to go down here. But like they have they have the top golf or sorry, the, the Lux Golf facility. They have the, the the ski hill for the winter time. They have the baseball stadium. They have um, all the baseball fields. They have the, the drive-in movie theater. They have all the restaurants. They have a medical building. They have an indoor training facility for the winter time. And so, really, like 365 days a year, anybody between the ages of three and 65 have something to do there. Right, which is usually the big problem with just straight up baseball stadiums. Like a lot of these teams have baseball stadiums that don't get used ninety five percent of the year. Right, and, and like a good a good a good utilization for a baseball stadium would be, would be well, how many how many home games do they have? Eighty one plus playoffs. So maybe they have maybe they have a hundred games at home in a really good year, and then they have. You're in the American Association. No, no, no. I'm talking Major League Baseball. Sure. I'm talking. I'm talking a big stadium. Big stadium. Yeah. 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 Eighty games, maybe. Maybe a hundred. Yeah. That'd sure, be great. Sure. Sure. And that, that can be the same. We can roughly the same thing across all of baseball. I think there, there's fewer games the American Association team will play, but um, same, same concept. So a good, a really good year would be a hundred baseball games that leaves 265, 266 games next year. Mm -hmm. um, because the leap year. Sure. Um, happy sixth birthday, John O'Day, by the way. Um, he's also our age, but he is born on February 29th. So technically he's only five years old right now. Such a fun fact. Yeah, yeah. For him. He's a young guy. Two truths and a lie would be, I'm six years old. Yeah. That one might be too obvious. He's five. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the truth. Yeah. Anyway. That's right. Okay. You're right. That. Okay. All right. All right. Where, where were we? So, so we're, going, we're saying, we're saying, yeah. So 265 days that, that are not utilized, um, they may have the same situation with 
here with the baseball stadium and sure they can do concerts they can do um festivals there and maybe that fills in an extra 10 15 or 20 days that is smart but 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 they also have thing they have other things that they can utilize within the the broader footprint of the entire area right so they can have they can have a a major event on the the ski hill or the uh at the lux golf facility um, when nothing's happened in the baseball stadium, and that's that's great. Like they like this this past weekend, they had a huge baseball tournament here for uh, for some younger kids, and they're they're completely utilized uh, on all fields, which is which is awesome. Right. And, and like a, a typical like Target Field in the Twin Cities, you would be able to do that. There's one field, and you can use it for three things, as far as I'm concerned. You can use it for baseball. You can use it for a concert. And the third thing I think you can use it for is there's this really cool like golf experience that, that they do. <laughs> you, can hit, you can hit tee shots from the from the observation deck. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool experience. I thought so too, but it it is an interesting point of you can't use the infrastructure. So we talk about parking lots. We talk about I don't know the restrooms. Like you, yeah, there's so much that goes into a stadium. It's so much wasted infrastructure that can't yeah. be used. Yeah, under underutilized, not wasted. I call it underutilized infrastructure. You know, for 200 days of the year, is pretty wasted. Yeah, well, it's kind of it's useless. Yeah, right. Fair I think it's really interesting to look at that whole development from like an investment portfolio perspective. Yeah, and it has a couple benefits. The first is, let's look at anybody's you know stock trading investment portfolio. You don't want to be too heavily leveraged into one company or into one sport, like owning a baseball team. Yeah. And so they basically get to say. You know, we, we're a little bit of a coffee shop. We're a little bit of a, you know, indoor golf experience. We're a little bit of a ski hill. Like, they're really well uh, diversified in their investments. Uh, we, just for the record, we do not give financial advice on this. Podcast. This is not financial advice, but it's an analogy of what good financial advice might look like, which is you want to be diversified in your investments. Yeah. And I think the second part, that's like almost this X factor, you know, diversification is good, but they get the benefit of like the diversif the diversification having some synergies and I hate that word, but the yeah. synergies are if you have a good experience at the baseball game, it looks and feels so much as you describe like everything else that's around there yeah. that you might just automatically assume you're gonna have a good experience of those other things. Correct. So they're all connected in a way that mutually benefit each other. Yep. So you get like this extra call it five or ten percent return on somebody coming to a baseball game because they might automatically associate themselves having a positive experience somewhere else on a facility that looks just you know just like where they just were yeah for sure and, and it's also incredibly risky too because like if it if it all doesn't work it all doesn't work and and, and there's for, like a for, one of these ghost towns yeah yeah and, and th that could very well happen i don't think it's gonna happen here like we we saw the turnout at this all-star game well do you think so this goes back to my original question of like what's the linchpin like do you think if the baseball stadium fails the whole thing goes kaput i don't think there is a linchpin Okay, so what it, is it like? There, there doesn't have to be a linchpin. So in a it's, it's like a water park. Here's here's a different analogy. It's like a water park. Chances are, if if I go to the water park and I go down one slide, chances are I'm going to go down another slide. It doesn't matter which slide I go down first, but I'm going to go down another one, and then I'm going to go down another one until I've been there for 40 years. And this this is this is an expanded analogy. In a water park, I'm only going to be there for four hours. In in ballpark commas, I'm going to be there for 40 years, and then 40 years later. Oh my gosh, I've done all these things and they're all still awesome. Like I could wipe red water slides all day, every day. Okay. I could, I could be in that place all day, every day. It's such an awesome facility. Okay. My question is there's no linchpin. Yeah, but okay. But let me, let me go here. You, you say that if one part of it fails, it all fails. You said that, right? 
I don't know what I said. Okay. <laughs> this is <laughs> desperation hours. Okay, but okay, let's no, let's refocus on. No, 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 no. What I what I, what I was inferring was that if if it all fails, it all fails. If that makes any sense at all. That makes sense. Let me ask you okay. a specific okay. question. Okay. Okay. If the okay. baseball team goes under, yeah, does that whole development also go under? If the baseball team fails, can that whole development exist without the Milwaukee Milkmen being there? In your opinion, I think it'd be really hard. Okay, so you but I don't think they'll let that happen because they ha they're able to lean on the other things in order to make sure that that stays around. So they would be willing to, you think, you know, run it as like a lost leader or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Okay, interesting. I don't know if I have an opinion on this. I was just trying to hammer in on what I thought you were saying. No, I'm, I'm saying I'm what what I was saying is like it's it's incredibly risky because if they can't get people to come out there for any of it. Then it's not going to work. But well, if but, but if they can get people to come out there for something of it, then it'll all work. Like sure. either either the whole thing works or the whole thing doesn't work. There's there's I don't really think there's like there, there's not a grade in between in there. I think there is though. Like to the to the extent that you agree with the analogy that this is like a diversified portfolio just playing out in real life. Water park. In that diversified portfolio, if you one of your stocks goes to zero, your portfolio is still worth something. And it's not like it sure. tanks the the rest of it. I think the only differentiating factor there would be would the the goodwill that we assume to be built in. And I don't think positively it, I, would I, that affect everything negatively. I, I don't think it's it's a diversified portfolio in the sense that it's like a truly diversified portfolio. You think they're more interconnected than that? They're absolutely more interconnected than that. Okay, like, fair. like it, they're they're all connected. It, it would be like if um, like if you owned shares of uh, of Apple, and then all the other companies that were in your portfolio were suppliers for Apple. Right, right. And so, so if Apple decides to have a really poor quarter, that's going to have trickle down effects on everything else. So, if if there are fewer people that come out to the baseball stadium, and there are going to be fewer people that maybe come to Lux Golf, if there are fewer people that come to Lux Golf, maybe there's fewer people that go on the baseball stadium, and 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 that, that applies to everything else. Like, if there's fewer people that are working out of there, then through people that are around every day. If there's fewer baseball tournaments, then the same thing applies. So it is, it, I mean, it's all interconnected. And um, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it's a really cool facility. That's all I know. I think so. And I think we hammered in down to some good nuance on that. I, I think sure. like we, I think my analogy was probably a little overbroad. Your water park analogy is awful. I think and that I think, was, but, and I think we got to a good spot there. I disagree. I think the water park analogy for the for the person that is we'll see. found is, off in the conference. is is in on the water park analogy. You're my guy. Do you Let's think go. do you think that people that listen to this, of which there are you know more than I like think water expected, yeah. well, I, th I would hope so. Yeah. Do you think there are people that are like kind of like Jake heads and people that are like Tyler heads? Absolutely. Or that people are like listening to you and they're like, you know what, I really resonate with these water park analogies. Well, I would say that. probably the majority of people resonate with water park guy. Okay, but you can't like stay your entire reputation on just being water park guy. I think I can. <laughs> Starting now, I can't. you're either for water parks or you hate Tyler, and those are the only two options. Do you hate water parks? No, I like water parks. I'm just saying you're like you're saying that if you, people like water parks, then they automatically no, just it. water park guy. I'm here for it. You're just water park guy. <laughs> I think so. Okay. I don't know. I think I, I I don't know. I can't I can't give myself a nickname. But. We're in desperation hours. As Jake like rubs his head and i kind of feel the same way because okay. now it's 10 50. is that right and I, I think you keep going so so um i don't think we should but we we definitely could sound off in the comments i think 
We ended up getting other audio. comments on this thing. Well, actually, this is a great call to action. We're, we're so at the end of the episode that if you're still listening, I think you'd be the person to do this. Yeah. You can submit audio questions, and this might be something I have to set up. So maybe go see if you can do that. And if not, then DM me on Instagram and tell me to go do it. But yeah. you can submit what basically is a voicemail to Spotify. And then really? we could do, Shake. Through like a, uh, like a. We could like respond to those voicemails in Spotify? In, like a question. Yeah, it's like directly, it's like directly integrated. Oh. Or people I've can definitely. I've never listened to the podcast on Spotify. I've never listened to the podcasts outside of. I like to do like, like game on a, film on a platform. It's like game film. It's like you. you no, like I'll listen to sometimes like the audio file, but like sure. not not inside the. You don't want to mess up the numbers. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Want, I don't want to be juicing the numbers. So maybe next time we do a Q and A episode, which I think we're gonna have to do at some point. Yeah. Um. Probably when you go into like the Boundary Waters, we'll have to can an episode. Yeah to be a Q&A episode about it. and we can maybe do it with some audio submissions from listeners I think that'd be really cool yeah Jake anything else to add at 10.50 at night the clock is ticking towards 11 we're hitting the road tomorrow back to Minneapolis and then next week I promise we'll have we'll have such a good episode next week we're hitting the wall tonight that's what we're doing we're gonna hit the wall yeah. and we're gonna hit the road and then next week we're gonna hit the streets with a hot new podcast episode you know I actually thought this was a pretty good podcast I think so too I like being able to riff off your energy and I, I think we need like, to do these in person. Okay. I, I've got okay. Space, for it, space for it, too. What is it? Um, it's in my basement. <laughs> there's like a there's a big area. It's like a TV room. Or like a, like, a movie, basement. Like, yeah. like a movie room, but there's no like... so. Why is that beneficial? Because it kind of feels like it's a room, and we could we could put like stuff on the walls and stuff, mm-hmm. and like and then we could sit down there, and it's more, like a, it's more private space. I think we should get an office, and I think there's a couple spots that I just eye up in Northeast Minneapolis and think that'd be a cool place to have an office, but a lot of them also have what seem like apartments on the top, and maybe you can move in to the apartment building, the apartment unit on the top of what would be a future Uncle Charlie office. Mm. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I refuse to live in Minneapolis. Okay, that's fair. But I actually, I, I don't refuse to live in Minneapolis. It's a lovely place, but I refuse to live in Lake Elmo. Yeah, it's a good spot to live. But not to dox ourselves okay we'll be back next week yeah uh that's it with more in sports and business yeah thank you to aaron and ryan mcfarland for producing this episode and also doing some kick-ass live coverage for the american association home run derby and all-star game if you're at all interested in the type of work we do it's worth checking out i think this is some of the best representation of the type of work that our agency does and i know there were close to 500 people that were interested in working with us as an application that I put out last week on TikTok. So if you're at all interested, maybe go check out some of the work and see if that's something that you can do down the line because, Jake, we're always hiring. Is this, is this a sales pitch? Are you selling me? Uh, and you, you want to work on the challenge? I don't know if I'd be qualified for that type of work, actually. I don't think so. I don't think I would have hired you to run Mike Duff football. I, you actually wouldn't have. No, I wouldn't. Which, which was kind of interesting, but I don't I don't really, I'm not involved in that, that side of the house. So Not really. All right, well, We'll see you all next week with what is a, a more straight-laced episode, but maybe not. <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. See you next week. Bye.